turn myself around. I walk back through that door. Yeah. And I walk up to him. I literally stuck my hand in his face. And I was like, hi. <laughs> I'm Amy Barnett. And I've got an idea for you that I'd really love to pitch you. And after many months of conversations, he eventually gave me my first opportunity at being an editor-in-chief of Honey Magazine when I was 30 years old. Wow. That really started me down a path of leadership. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. We have an amazing guest on the show today. It is Amy Bois Barnett, who is a senior advisor for the newly formed growth capital firm, Bravo Mundo. Well, it is February, which means we are celebrating Black Black History Month here at the Lead With Your Brand podcast. So go and check out leadwithyourbrand.com slash Black Voices, where you can check out our full collection of amazing Black voices of leaders, executives, and influencers with great career stories and brand journeys. And of course, we are joined by my fabulous guest host for the month. It is Ingrid Hadley, the founder and CEO of ILH Possibilities. Ingrid, I cannot believe the month is almost over. Listen, that 28 days goes fast. (laughs) (laughs) And now, of course, we are not just amplifying voices during (laughs) February, but year-round. But to kind of close out our month, Ingrid, I wanted to talk a little bit about the final step of the Lead With Your Brand system, which is all about promoting yourself, right? Because if you've done work on your professional image and your brand and you're focused on your career, how the heck are you going to get there if you don't promote yourself? But I know people come to me all of the time and they're like, well, I can't brag about myself. Like, I can't be that person. So give me your thoughts. And what is it that you coach your clients on around that space? So I'm going to speak specifically to Black people, right? And so I do believe that we should be able to speak positively and unapologetically about ourselves in business. Oftentimes, there's a pendulum swing, right? It goes from if we're promoting too much, then we feel like we're braggarts or we can be perceived as braggarts, right? Yeah. Versus then we go to the other side of the pendulum, which is just this invisibility, right? And so where does that come from? And I think about like media, right? So the depictions of Black people in media are not always positive depictions, right? And so there's almost this idea that if I begin to promote that I'm talking too much or I'm being too much or bigger than I should be, And that is not necessarily a fair assessment, but what it does do for our non-diverse colleagues or for other colleagues is it makes them, I think, question 
who they are as well, right? Uh, Especially if there's a bias or maybe perhaps they don't have a lived experience with successful Black people, right? Mm. And so there's this understanding of how we should be showing up. But we know through your podcast, and we know how important promotion is. So I think about my daughter, Jade Hadley Magnus. Who I love. Yeah, I know, right? So she's a VP at Color of Change, which is the nation's largest online social justice agency, who emails go out under her name all of the time. I consistently have people saying, Jade sent me another email. Now, it's not necessarily Jade that's sending the email, but it is a petition with her authorization, right? Yeah. And so this promotes her in a way that I think even makes her feel uncomfortable. So when <laughs> asked to do, right, it's like, it's an email, Jade. But she last year created a company called the Magnus Company that is focused on, it's a niche toy company focused yeah. on black joy and learning. And, you know, I've been asking her to do this kind of promotion around the company and she's just very uncomfortable doing it. So recently, ABC News came to us and said, hey, we would love to do a story film in your home. And she's going to do this story next week. And it's going to be aired to 37 ABC affiliates, right? Like big promotion, but still she is uncomfortable with it. Now, my daughter happens to be, in my opinion, one of the dopest, you know, Howard graduates, (laughs) like LA raised, Howard made, you know, same university that Kamala Harris hailed from, right? And so for me, it's just always interesting that she doesn't want the focus of attention to be on her. Where for me as her mom, I'm thinking to myself, well, you're amazing. Why wouldn't you do this? And so I think it goes back to a core and STEM issue of we are so often, especially when we are black faces in white spaces, and many of us are in corporate America, right? We assimilate in such a way that it doesn't allow us to speak freely. Again, we talked about authentic self, we talked about imposter syndrome. And I think those things actually tail back to why Mm. we don't promote ourselves. So how do we begin to do that? Well, I think we have to embody that we are supposed to be in the rooms that we are in, Yeah. right? And I think we have to read the room and find out, develop relationships and find ways to speak about ourselves in a way that we believe it. Because here's the thing. Yeah. If I'm talking to you and I'm just in an elevator pitch, but I don't even believe my elevator pitch and you do take interest, right? And you start Mm. asking me questions and I can't promote myself in that moment. Yeah. I may miss an opportunity. We have to believe what we have conceived about ourselves in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And it strikes me that like we get so binary about it, right? It's like we go from like, I either need to like be screaming and planting flags about how great I am to like, I'm not going to say anything. And it's really somewhere in between, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think understanding whether or not we're supposed to be in that room or not, right? This goes back to what we talked about in one of the other podcasts, really understanding, is this the place for me? Can I promote, is this the industry for me? Is this a place that will allow me to knock down doors, offer different perspectives and be who I can be and bring that to the table? Yeah. And you know, the other thing that strikes me is it's all about the value that you're going to bring. And I think if you think about promoting yourself, 
not by selling yourself, but being helpful right. and being of service that's to right. people. Like that's just a different mindset, right? Like when I am yep. interacting with people, I'm always thinking like, oh, hey, who can I connect you with? Or, hey, here's a nugget that is something about what you're talking about. It's really about how can I help other people? And that's what makes me memorable, right? It's not me like right. bragging like, oh my God, I went to like 45 companies last year. Or I did this, that, I'm dropping names, it's really like, what's a nugget that's going to help you? Yeah. And I love what you just said, Jason, because it really is about being selfless, right? If we yeah. come into a room and we assess the room, I think what happens with self-promotion is it can come off arrogant. If we come into a room and we think that as soon as we get in the room, you know, everything begins to revolve around us as opposed to entering a room, assessing the room. And to your point, figuring out how we can add value right? Why are we in that room? And if we can determine why we're in the room, then we can promote from a way that, to your point, is selfless and gives credence to who we are, again, authentically. Absolutely. Well, I wish we had more time to chat, Ingrid, but thank you so much for being on the show all through this month. Now, if people want to learn more about you and your work at ILH Possibilities, where can they find you? Well, you can find me at ilhpossibilities.com. And if you need to connect with me individually, you can contact me at Ingrid Hadley at ilhpossibilities.com. Now, of course, we kicked off this morning joking about you know, 28 days of Black History Month. But clearly, this is not about 28 days. It's about things that we can do all throughout the year. For folks that are working in big companies, folks who don't identify as Black, what are just a couple of things that they can do to help amplify Black voices throughout the year with their colleagues? Yeah, I love that question, Jason, because it really puts the onus on the ally, right? So allyship is this never-ending continuum, right? Like it just, you're always learning. You're always trying to figure out how you can be better for the person sitting next to you, right? So allyship is super important, but it does take some self-reflection. Mm. And so when you think about allyship, are you really bringing your authentic self to the relationship, right? Mm, are yeah. you being honest with yourself, even as a liberal person? Are you being honest with how you feel about certain things that are happening in the world? Are you educating yourself? There's so many amazing podcasts like Lead With Your Brand, right? That give you a different <laughs> perspective, right? For people of color and leaders. Because again, we all lead from our own perspective and our lived experience. And so the ability to develop empathy, that doesn't happen overnight, right? Mm. So what are we doing to say, I don't know it all, right? I don't know it all. Let me read a few books. Let me listen to some podcasts. You know, let me actually develop a relationship with someone that I work with that is just about going to have coffee with them, mm. getting them comfortable with me and me comfortable with them so that when I do have a question, it doesn't feel like I'm asking them to tutor me in blackness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ingrid. It has been a pleasure having you on this month as co-host, and thank you for helping us curate an amazing roster of executives and leaders. Now, today's guest is Amy Bois Barnett. She is an award-winning media executive and author and has held senior leadership roles at Time, Inc., 
Hearst, and Disney, and has also successfully grown several independently owned media brands. Now, Amy is currently a senior advisor for the newly formed growth capital firm Bravo Mundo. She joined Bravo Mundo from Outside Interactive Inc., the world's leading platform for active and healthy lifestyle content and experiences, where she oversaw the company's 16 media brands and outside studios as their first ever chief content officer. Formerly, Amy was the SVP and general manager at Paramount, where she led PL responsibility for BET's digital platforms. She grew the digital following to 62 million, generated 2 billion in annual video views, and drove an unprecedented 10 times increase in operating income. Prior to that, she was the EVP of Digital Entertainment Studios and The Griot, and over as a senior executive at ESPN, she led the development and launch of the critically acclaimed digital brand, The Undefeated. Amy has served as the editor-in-chief of Ebony, where she redesigned and modernized the magazine and website to critical acclaim. She was the deputy editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar, where she oversaw their digital relaunch, and has also served as chief editor of Teen People and editor-in-chief of Honey Magazine. On top of all of that, she is the author of the NAACP Image Award-nominated book, Get yours, how to have everything you ever dreamed of, and more. We'll be back in just a moment with Amy DuBois Barnett. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. We have an amazing guest with us today. It is Amy Bois Barnett. Amy, what is going on? I am just happy to be here with you today. This is awesome. Well, I'm super thrilled to have you because you have had this amazing career, but I know just this month there was a huge announcement. Tell us about your new gig. I know. I'm so excited. So I had the opportunity to transition into a whole new industry, something that I have not explored before, which is um, always an amazing adventure to have. Um, as a as a curious professional, which I, I think that I am at this point, um, I am now a senior advisor with Bravo Mundo, which is a newly formed private equity um, firm, and we are very focused on um, cultural impact, um, cultural disruption, innovation, and so I'm just really excited to join the you know incredible uh, talented roster of of business rock stars that have formed this company. Well, how exciting! Now I know that you know part of anyone's career uh, is all about networking and meeting folks. So tell me, Amy, when you first meet folks, how do you introduce who you are and what it is that you do? I guess that when I first 
meet folks. Um, I don't necessarily lead with a professional. Mm. I think that that's something that kind of layers into a conversation as you have it. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you, if you you lead with a professional, um, it, it just, it gives people an automatic sort of impression of who you are or, um, and it can be limiting, frankly. Yeah. Um, so I really find it better to establish a more authentic connection with a person around, you know, shared interests, communication style, um, you know, whatever, you know, whatever other sort of things um, you may be discussing, like contextually at the moment. Um, and then you, you can kind of talk about, um, you know, your, your life experiences and your career as it becomes appropriate, as there's a moment where, you know, there's maybe a shared professional, um, you know, uh, interest or some kind of a, of a, of a overlap. Um, at that point, I think that it's, it's a more, um, kind of authentic conversation, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but then at that point, when I do start talking about my career, um, you know, I, I generally tend to say, um, if somebody just wants a brief, brief encapsulation that I'm a media executive, I think that, that, that is the, the sort of easiest and, and most simple way of, um, describing, you know, my, my years in various industries. Yeah. So in a nutshell, a media executive. But let's talk a little bit about your career, because one of the reasons why I really wanted to speak to you is, I mean, you've really had this storied career, right? I mean, you have been editor and editor in chief at huge publications and digital sites like Harper's Bazaar and Ebony. You were the GM of BET. You've been a chief content officer for Byron Allen's amazing media organization and most recently at Outside. But Amy, Tell me, when you look back over the years, what were some of those moments that you felt had the biggest impact on your career or were some of those big career breakthrough moments that helped you get to where you are today? Gosh, I have had so many awesome breakthrough moments throughout my career and so many transitions, too. I mean, what you may not know is I actually started my career in finance. What? And I know I started my career on Wall Street. Um, I was a financial analyst. Um and I was working um, actually for Chase and in the transportation and defense division. So if you know anything about that, that's a whole lot of Lockheed and, you know, Boeing and just, you know, really just, you yeah. know, kind of um, a very particular industry. And I was working on Wall Street um, during a time, I'm going to age myself here, but here I go, when women were not allowed to wear pants. What? And had to wear stockings with our skirts. Yes. Yes, that is correct. It was again, not my spiritual home. I just felt I chafed a bit. No pun intended. Sartorial uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also cultural limitations. It just wasn't my full bag. Right. Um, but it was really awesome because um, I definitely took, <coughs> excuse me, everything that I learned from working um, at, on Wall Street and um, was able to use it to, um, you know, to really further my my skills and my career um, as I moved through other other areas. And so, um, after I left Wall Street um, and put on a pair of pants, um, I moved into <laughs> the fashion world. And that was amazing too. So I, you know, I, I got another little uh, uh, year-long certificate um, in fashion merchandising at Parsons School of Design, and um, became an assistant buyer for Lord and Taylor, um, which was also really amazing. Um, you know, uh, however, I, I quickly learned um, uh, that you know I, I prefer to 
buy cute clothes than to work solely in the fashion industry. Um, you know, I was working Lauren Taylor in a, in a and, and bless its heart, it was a great department store in New York City, an absolute like legend of you know of its time. Yeah. But our offices were in the basement, um, and they put me. Uh, this was maybe part of the problem. They put me in. Um, what was it? it was women's coats and suits. And so it was, I was working with uh, St. John's knits and, um, mm. you know, it just, for my, my 20, my early twenties, uh, you know, heart and, and aesthetic, it was, it was perhaps not the most engaging. Um, <laughs> um, and what I'd also realized is that, you know, I'd, I was spending a lot of time um, sort of avoiding the thing that I loved best. Right. I, I I've always been um, a writer, um, that it's always been my my first and greatest love, um, you know. But when I I had talked to my family about um, you know becoming a writer, um, you know earlier, you know they said that oh my god it's a triangular career and there's a couple people at the top and everybody's at the bottom and you know you're gonna be, you're you're gonna you know you're gonna you're not gonna do well and you know et cetera et cetera and so I got very oh no I know and so I, I turned away from it for lots of years and then I I finally. Um, I finally, uh, um, you know, turned back and, um, you know, ended up, um, you know, getting a, a grad degree, um, you know, at uh, a graduate degree in a, at a Columbia, an MFA. Um, and while I was there, I, I, um, I got a fiction award um, and the, pre- the presenter of the award was the, um, the editor in chief of Essence magazine at the time. Yeah. And I had been working um, already in media um, just to support myself, um, you know, at uh, fashion, you know, websites and um, and a fashion magazine, um, an Italian fashion magazine. Uh, but then when I met this woman, she was amazing. And, um, you know, eventually I um, ended up recruiting me to become the fashion and beauty features editor at Essence. So that was a really big deal. It was, you know, yeah. um, it was a, it was just a tremendous, you know, brand to work on an amazing group of individuals. I mean, just some of the most brilliant minds in, in journalism and media have come through Essence at some point or another. Um, but there was a really big transition um, while I was at Essence that I think, you know, set me on a, 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 a different and more accelerated path. Um, you know, I was, I was a very, you know, ambitious, um, you know, young woman and, and was working on a business plan, you know, for a magazine, you know, that um, would speak to an audience that was a little bit closer to, to me and my friends, sort of like younger and sort of, you know, more, I don't know, urban, you know, kind of um, uh, um, audience. And, um, and there was a company called Vanguard Media that was um, started by a gentleman by the name of Keith Klingscales. Yeah. And um, and he launched some magazines and acquired some magazines. And one of them that he acquired was a magazine named Honey. And it was it was uh, this was a book that was um, launched by uh, two very brilliant women, um, Kierna Mayo and Joyce Lindingo. Um, they were the founders of the magazine. Yeah. Um, and they eventually, you know, um, it was eventually acquired, you know, by Keith um, after only a few issues that they produced. And um and it was it was uh, not doing that well, you know, initially under, you know, in, under uh, at Vanguard Media. And so I was working on a business plan separately, but also watching the progression of Honey. And there was one day um, when I was, you know, walking around the Essence offices and Keith Klingscales, who I recognized because I had been tracking, you know, him and the progress of Vanguard Media and Honey magazine was sitting in the lobby. And, you know, I walked through the lobby uh, there was two doors on either side of the lobby, and I, I walked, you know, through one door and, and, you know, into the other door. It was kind of a shortcut for those who knew. And I stopped <laughs> on the other side. I, you know, it was like a little little shortcut to the ladies' room. I was passing on through. I saw him. And I was like, oh. 
And at last, when I, 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 you know, stopped at the second door, I, I closed it and I stopped and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this is Keith Kling sales. This is my opportunity, you know? And I was like, okay. And I got myself together and I'll never forget. There was another woman yeah. who was standing there with me. Um, another editor at the magazine at Essence. And I was like, oh my gosh, Keith Kling sales. I'm going to go talk to him. And I was like, so excited. And she was like, gosh, calm down. Like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, I just looked at her and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, it was one of those moments when I didn't process it fully at the time, but yeah. when you really realize, okay, this is what's kind of separates the, the, you know, respectfully, because this is a very talented editor, but it's kind of what separates the wheat from the chaff. Like this is one of those moments where yeah. I, I didn't fully process it, but I kind of knew. And since then I really understood it. Like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a moment of self-determination and proactivity um, and forward momentum that you yourself can, can generate through your own energy that, that not everybody is going to tap into. So I turned myself around, I walked back through that door yeah. and I walked up to him, I literally stuck my hand in his face and I was like, hi, <laughs> I'm Amy Barnett and I've got an idea for you that I'd really love to pitch you. And after many months of conversations, he eventually gave me my first opportunity at being an editor-in-chief of Honey Magazine when I was 30 years old. Wow. That really started me down a path of leadership, um, you know, that that I don't know that I would have gotten quite so so yeah. quickly or definitively had I not turned back around, stuck my hand in this this nice man's face, and said, "Hey, I would really love to speak with you <laughs> about about my ideas." <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and talk about like, you know, three minutes in your life that if you had made a different choice, your entire life would probably be different. Right. That's exactly that's that's 100 percent correct. I think about that um, um, often, actually. Now, what did your parents say? Because I know your parents were like, hey, don't go, you know, don't go into writing and don't go and in, go into this space. And then suddenly at a fairly young age, you're actually an editor in chief. Um, you know, I, um, my, both of my, my parents, um, are, uh, are, are, and were academics. Um, they both have PhDs. Um, my, um, my dad was a professor of anthropology for many years and then transitioned into, um, being a business anthropologist and, and running his own company. And my mom, um, was a political scientist. And when she uh, passed away, um, uh, in uh, 1992, she was actually the president of the University of Houston. Wow. Um, she was the first black woman um, to um, uh, be a president of a major research university in the country. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, she had already passed away by the time I was made editor in chief. Oh. Um, you know, but my my dad was, of course, like, you know, I mean, he was really proud. He had already watched me by that point sort of go through finance and go through fashion and get myself into grad school. So at this point, I think he was becoming kind of used to the forward momentum that I was that I was, um, you know, generating for myself. And, um, you know, a few years into being at Honey, uh, I think it was maybe four, three or four years in, um, I was actually recruited by Time Inc. Yeah. Uh, to run Teen People which was the teen version of People Magazine. And when I moved into that role, um, I actually kind of followed in my mom's footsteps um, in a different industry by becoming the first black woman to run a major uh, mainstream magazine in the country. Yeah. And so, you know, even though, um, uh, you know, she was not alive to see all this, I just I just know she would have been so proud to, to watch me make my own impact um, on another industry. Absolutely. And tell me, I mean, you had some pretty remarkable parents, what's the biggest thing that they 
left with you or that you learned from them that's helped you be successful in your career in life? Um, you know, I would definitely say that, um, you know, both of my parents are just amazing individuals. My dad is brilliant. I, I don't say that lightly. Um, and so he has really, um, uh, shown me, um, you know, how to question things, you know, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's somebody who questions everything. Um, and so for better <laughs> or for worse, I question everything. <laughs> It's a pro and a con. I'm just going to really tell you that. It's a pro and a con. Um, but, you know, as an overall life skill, it really um, helps you um, kind of get to the bottom of things and um, and not take things at face value and and um, and really um, sort of make sure that I'm, I'm looking at things from different angles before I just sort of accept what somebody tells me. Um, and my mom, you know, I really, uh, I, I consider myself to be, you know, just – Obviously, I'm her daughter, but I'm I'm really my mom's, you know, kid, um, and um, and uh, you know, she really modeled um, what success uh, looks like, you know, in many different environments, and it was incredibly difficult. I mean, imagine, you know, in the '80s, which was when this was um, late '80s, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a black woman being president of University of Houston. Yeah in Texas, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, I really watched her navigate some pretty uh, complicated and sometimes treacherous waters with a lot of um, ease and grace. Mm. Um, and I was able to um, just, you know, because of her example, I um, really understand, um, you know, not just, you know, what level of, of work ethic is required to be at the very best, because I watched how hard she worked. So I understand what hard work looks like. Yeah. So I was able to to understand, you know, how hard you have to work um, to be the very best, but also how you comport yourself. Mm. You know, my mom used to go to um, events, right? She would have umpteen events as a university president. Yeah. She would have all these events. And she would stand there with a drink in her hand, you know, and she wouldn't drink it. But she would walk around the event with this drink in her hand and she would watch everybody else get sauced. And then when people <laughs> would get sauced, she would start to do business, right? Uh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I would watch that. I would literally watch her like, okay, I see how you're doing this thing. You know, and I mean, it's something I definitely I definitely learned. I mean, I'm certainly no prude, you know, but I, I really processed that, yeah. you know, just just, a, just just that as like an example of like what to do. But also this example like of overall, if you just take that and you apply it to different situations. Right. Yeah. You know, there you really just have kind of like a, a way of being, you know, that allows you to um, to excel, but still, you know, but still be, you know, um, um, like, you know, personable, authentic and like cool and lots of different, lots of different um, environments. Yeah. And and so, Amy, talk to me. Now you're on this like leadership path right in your career. What was the biggest adjustment or the biggest change you had to make from just being sort of a great writer, a great editor to really being an editor in chief and leading big teams of folks from both a creative perspective, but also all of the stuff that's about managing people. Anybody who's managed teams um, will tell you that um, it's really complicated, um, you know, and um, it requires a few things. I mean, and, and much of this, by the way, I've learned over the years. I mean, I, I, I think I had a, 
you know, I think I had a natural ability to uh, have a natural ability to, to um, connect with people. But some of the skills I will freely admit, you know, I, I needed years of learning to, to um, you know, to, to improve upon. And I'm still improving. I think we're all on a journey. Um, and I'm definitely still improving. Yeah. Um, like just trying to very intentionally improve the way that I um, manage teams. Um, but I think that, you know, um, you know, once you, well, certainly I definitely, my, my experience on wall street helped, right. Cause I understood, I think first of all, that what I was doing was a business. Right? Yeah. I think that that's sometimes what can happen with people who are in sort of more creative sides of industries that they may, um, not have had exposure to the business side of it and therefore not understand that some of the, the more, um, um, uh, business oriented elements of, 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 uh, of, um, the overall business really impact what they're doing and what they're doing impacts the overall business. And the more you can grow your business, the more, you know, resources you have to do the fun things that you love to do. Right. And I, I really understood that intimately from the start. So that was very helpful. Um, and I think also, you know, something that was very interesting for me as I rose, you know, kind of up the ladder as it were, is that I found that I, I personally do better when I'm, um, firing on all professional cylinders. So when I'm able to, um, you know, yeah. have a you know creative oversight from a visual perspective, because I really do like, you know, the visual, um, um, kind of brand building, um, when I'm able to have, um, oversight over the, the, uh, sort of you know, textual and video sort of part of a brand. And I think that's very interesting when I'm able to figure out how to expand a brand, right. And all the, you notice I'm saying the word brand, right. Cause I really believe in, and I love brand building yeah. but when I'm able to expand a brand and figure out, you know, okay, well, this is awesome, but like, can I monetize it more over here? Can I start another line of business over here? Um, you know, how can I, um, you know, help the sales and marketing team, you know, accelerate what they're trying to do. Like all of that for me, when I, when I'm able to do it all together, it, it kind of comes together in a way, um, that's even more powerful than when I'm doing some of those things, um, in isolation. So, um, you know, I just, I really do, um, love not just, you know, managing teams, which I, I, I really do because I also love people. Um, but I, I love the idea of building powerful and impactful brands. Yeah. And so let's talk about powerful and, and impactful brands. Let's talk about your brand. So give me three words that you would use to describe uh, brand Amy Barnett. Ooh, brand Amy Barnett. Um, brave. Mm. Um, I think, you know, brave was definitely one. Um, creative. Tenacious. Ooh, so brave, creative, and uh, tenacious. So, so talk to me about those three words. How is it that you show up that way as as both a person and a leader? In terms of bravery, um, you know that's very core to the way that I walk through the world. Um, mm. You know, I have a strong. Um, you know, I. I uh, have a personal philosophy that I, that I developed after, um, after some hard times, like the death of my mom when I was young. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, I actually wrote a, wrote an advice book for women, um, uh, called get yours, how to have everything you ever dreamed of and more. I promise a lot, but I deliver. And, um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and in it, I, I talk about it in my, my personal philosophy. And, and one of the things that I, I, I thread throughout is that I, I sincerely believe and I embrace the notion that fear is growth. Mm. Um, I real I very much believe that it is impossible 
um, to be everything that you're meant to be. It is impossible to grow into the fullest of 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 your of your capabilities unless you make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, unless you are afraid at some point, you know. Um, if you are always comfortable and if you're never afraid of anything, you know, then you're never going to figure out. Um, everything that you could possibly do, you have to push outside of your 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 um, your comfort zone, um, and into a place again where you know you are profoundly uncomfortable um, and afraid, nervous about the next the next steps in order to really um, grow into that that expanded self. Yeah. And when was the last time you really pushed yourself into that uncomfortable zone? Oh gosh, I do it all the time. I do it with. Ah. with Basically, almost every new job. I mean, every new job I take is pretty is a little bit of like, never done this before. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> You're like, as long as I don't have to wear a hosiery, this is going to be good. <laughs> exactly. As long as I can put on some pants, I should be okay. Um, you know, but I mean, this is you know, it's I I test myself all the time. I'm always a little bit afraid as I as I take on you know these, these new jobs. It's 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 sort of a hallmark of what I do. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to figure this one out. Um, you know, and I, so I show up like that, you know, um, in these in new new jobs, um, you know, in a way that I hope models. You know, I'm certainly you know clearly I have to you know you know uh, build off of the knowledge and the experience that I have. Um, a mass so far, um, but also reflects, um, you know, a desire to learn and a desire to be adventurous, you know, both, you know, within my own personal um, set of experiences and also um, within whatever the you know, company environment is that I'm, that I'm, um, that I'm working. Um, and I really do try to encourage people that I'm working with, because I, I believe that, you know, part of your responsibility as a manager is to help other people, um, you know, see a path toward getting to their goals and their dreams, yeah. you know, so, um, I like to try to encourage people, you know, to be brave and to um, um, embrace fear and embrace adventure. Um, and then that's something that I think is important in um, in businesses. I think that it's important to try to take calculated risks and um, and you know, in order to grow, you know, you you're not, you know, obviously as a business, if you're just you know in the status quo of it all, then you're not expanding the possibilities of of whatever that brand, whatever that brand can be. Yeah. Um, and that's also, you know, that that you know clearly works, you know, in terms of uh, hand in hand with creativity. Yeah. Also, um, I think that you know you're you're also you're just trying to think of you know what are the different and interesting ways um, you know that you can grow as a person, um, that you can have you know personal experiences that then lay, layer into your business experiences, um, that then layer into the way that you can look at um, various brands that you work with, um, you know, so that that sort of core creativity um, helps me literally, um, you know, make things beautiful and artistically interesting and also helps me, um, um, you know, figure out, you know, uh, interesting, you know, ways that brands can expand and also helps me as a, as a human being, um, you know, have life experiences that make me a more interesting and evolved person. And so it all kind of works together. And then the tenacity of it all is just like straight up, I'm not going to give up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we like we all. I mean, people. You know, people think that there's a like a ladder, right? Um, yeah. You know, of success, you're climbing up the rungs, like in some kind of a straight, you know, like line. And I can't remember who said this. I got this from somebody. And I would love to be able to attribute it, but I, I can't remember who the specific author was. But um, 
but somebody I read somewhere, and this is, this absolutely resonated with me because it's true in my life and most people that I know. Um, life is, you know, success is not a ladder; it's a jungle gym, right? Yeah. So you're climbing. You're yes, you're climbing up, but you're also climbing sideways. You're climbing down. You might fall yeah. off of the thing, right? <laughs> and then you got to get back on it, right? You got to get back on. You got to try to figure out like which way you might climb around to the other side of the jungle gym, right? And so it's it's you know it's um and it's and it's 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 difficult. It's difficult when you have career ups and downs and lefts and rights, right? To keep going and to really have confidence, you know, maintain confidence in yourself and maintain confidence, you know, that you're going to be able to have success, you know, at the place where you are at the next thing, or, you know, it's, it is, um, it takes a kind of particular sort of energy, you know, to move forward, um, you know, with the same level of, of, um, of, of, uh, confidence, you know, that you, you know, that you've always had. And I think that that kind of, um, tenacity is also something that's, that's really helped me in my professional career. Cause I certainly have not been immune to the ups and the downs, the lefts and the yeah. rights. Um, I've, I've been through that like everybody else. So I've, I've, I'm happy that I've been able to be tenacious through it all. Absolutely. And now you're this great brand builder, right? I mean, I, in fact, I know when you were at Ebony, you like, headed up the rebranding for, you know, that publication that had been around for, you know, 60 something years. So tell me, what are some things that you do as a brand builder for great media brands that you have used to help build your own professional brand? Um, well, I think that one of the first core things when you're looking at a um, media, really any brand, but, you know, media brand, um, is to, figure out like, what is your competitive advantage? You know, what is your lane mm. or what is your, your niche? Like, you know, where, where are you, where do you have an opportunity to excel in a different way? Um, yeah. you know, um, than anybody else, like, where are you going to win? Right. Yeah. Where's your W? <laughs> you know? Um, you know, like, what is it? Like, what is your, what is your win? And sometimes the win might be doing something, doing, you know, something that somebody else does, but doing it at scale or doing it in a different way or for a different audience. I mean, that, that, that may constitute a win. Um, but just in general, you know, you really have to figure out, um, you know, like what will distinguish you from the pack, right? Yeah. And that is both as a brand and also as, as a leader, as an executive, you know, what, what distinguishes you? Yeah. Um, you know, I've got, you know, various things that, that I know distinguish me from, from, you know, um, you know, my peers and, um, what are some of those things? What, what are some of those things that distinguish you or make you win uniquely? Well, um, I would say first of all, um, you know, my, my, my personal background and my personal set of experiences. So I'm black, um, um, you know, but my dad is white and my dad is uh, white and Jewish. And, you know, I've really been very fortunate in that, you know, I was raised in a household where there was no question about the fact that I'm black. I don't have any sort of, you know, racial, you know, quandaries, like, oh my God, I don't ever feel like that. Um, you know, but I've also, you know, but what that has given me is, is a very organic and easy ability, um, you know, to also welcome all parts of, of my background. Um, and that coupled with the fact that, um, I've actually, I'm from New York, but I've lived (laughs) in, um, in, uh, 12 cities on three continents. Wow. Um, and so there is just really no environment that I, I feel, um, in which I feel uncomfortable. I just don't feel, unwelcome or uncomfortable anywhere. Um, and I think that that kind of organic ability to, um, you know, to understand different cultures, 
um, in an authentic, a totally authentic way, I think, you know, very much distinguishes me. Um, uh, also the international part of my background is, is pretty unique. I went to, um, I went to, had, went to a French school for many years. So I speak, um, yeah. near fluent French. Um, and I went to the United Nations school for high school. I double majored in French and political science. And, um, and I think that having that, um, again, organic appreciation of, um, cultures outside of your own is something that, um, that not everybody, not everybody, um, has, and then I would also say that I'm very dichotomous, you know, um, in that I, I, you know, am sort of half creative, you know, half business, right? Um, it was it sort of extends other areas. Like I'm, you know, I'm half, half, you know, visual, half textual, half, you know, there's like sort of <laughs> other different ways that I that I that I have this dichotomy. But it's it's um, it's you know, it is very organic, you know, um, and. Um, it just, all of these things, I guess, maybe work together, you know, to, um, to make me able to move through the world, um, in every, in, in every scenario, um, in a way that's like completely authentic, um, and, um, and allows me to, you know, marry my personal experiences, like with my, my business environments. And there's just nobody, there's almost nobody with whom I can't find some connection. Like there's, yeah. Well, I bet you if you and I were talking about like personal stuff, there'd be something in your background that I've yeah. had like, some experience with or some connection yeah. to. Yeah. Well, and I have, uh, I, my parents are bi, I'm biracial too. So I have, uh, we share, share, share that um, element, but it, it takes me back to the very beginning about how you said, like, you never enter on business, right? For the most part, when you meet people, it's about fi- how do you find these authentic elements and that your competitive edge is like all of these unique experiences that allow you to connect so well with folks, whether that's kind of one-on-one or even when you're talking about audiences, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. And so that's, I mean, that's really been, um, you know, a, um, a differentiator for me, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, I think that um, it's really helped me um, run brands, you know, that have like a do direct relationship, you know, with, with, um, with entertainment, with culture in a way that, you know, that, um, you know, reflects like, I don't know, business best practices. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, there's a very sort of, um, I have a, 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 a more easy ability to kind of move back and forth, um, between worlds, but in an authentic way, not just in like a performative way. Um, so I think that's, that's been, that's been good. And then if I layer in some French, man, it's over. Um, well, I, I know, I know our, our time is limited, but let me ask you a couple of fun questions. We've been talking about your brand and, and some of the great brands that you've helped build, but what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What are you obsessed with right now? Oh my gosh. That is a extremely difficult question. Um, (laughs) so I mean, Ooh, Ooh, um, you know what I'm really obsessed with right now? Actually, I'm I'm pretty darn obsessed with um, Rihanna's brands, um, with um, with Fenty and with Savage by Fenty. Yeah. Um, I just you know I I'm kind of fascinated um, by the fact that she's been able, um, along with her team, of course, to um, to like take like like multiculturalism and inclusivity like translate it for the masses. Yeah. In a way that's like. Incredibly cool and resonant. I mean, 
her brand is like, you know, like fearless confidence, like inclusivity. I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty difficult, you know, to create a brand, um, you know, that is, um, really cool. Um, and, um, um, you know, high end enough so that people are, you know, excited to wear it, but also accessible enough so that most yeah. people can wear it. Right. Um, sort of like some masclusivity there, um, you know, but also to like organically make it inclusive. I mean, she obviously did with makeup, like by doing every single shade from like the palest shade to the darkest shade. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and she did it with Savage by Fenty in terms of like, you know, making a, 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 um, a clothing and lingerie and clothing line that, 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 um, that, um, is accessible for every single body type, you know? So I, I, you know, and, and she's done all of it, like in a very like low key, cool way, you know? Um, so I, I really, I just find her, her brand, her personal brand, but also, um, you know, the brands that she has, you know, created these two brands have to be truly fascinating. Yeah. And now, Amy, tell me, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Um, I would be a Porsche Taycan. Ooh, and how come? (laughs) Because it's, um, like, you know, like, just powerful and fast and sleek and gorgeous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And gorgeous. (laughs) Gorgeous. Um, but also sustainable, um, you know, and positively impactful, right? Uh, yeah. You know, cares about the planet, um, cares about the community. Um, you know, uh, it's it's a little high end, so there's that. But um, you know, I really, I would, uh, I would be a Porsche Taycan, Ooh. and I would be a Porsche Taycan, and that really, that really funky blue color too. I just can't remember Ooh. what it's called, but all the Ooh, things. I love that. You've even got the color down. Now, uh, Amy, tell me, um, what's the best career advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, make relationships before you need them. Ooh, say more make about Make your that. relationships before you need them. By the time you need a relationship, it is too late. You cannot, you cannot build it when you need it. So <laughs> really, really, really focus on... Um, on building your network in an authentic way. Again, like don't be performative and like, you know, um, cause people can, can feel that kind of like perform, you know, that kind of energy. Yeah. That um, grossness. But if you, yeah, but if you, uh, you know, if you, um, you know, have an authentic connection with somebody, maintain it, you know, and just grow your network over years so that by the time, um, you're in a position where you need to make a phone call, you have somebody to call. Yeah. You know, and also at, at a certain point in your career, you know, your opportunities are going to come from people, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to, for the most part, come from like, you know, applying to something on LinkedIn. Like that's not a thing for me. Yeah. Like, I can't apply to a job on LinkedIn. Like that's just simply not how it works for me anymore. So I have to be able to have a network that I can call that I can activate um, in terms of, you know, not just personal opportunities for me from a, like a personal business perspective, but also if I'm running a brand, Hey, I'm really interested in this kind of a partnership. Let me call boo boo boo. Or if I don't know this person, I know somebody who knows them for sure. Yeah. And that's what a powerful network does. Make your relationships before you need them. Yeah. And just really quickly, tell me what's your, your secret sauce to keeping those embers going in your network? You know, I think like, first of all, just being cool. Like, you know, just again, like, don't, <laughs> 
do it in a performative, like inauthentic way. Like people can, can tell when you're not like being authentically yourself and you're like just trying to make a relationship with them because you're, you're, you know, you want them in your, in your, in your, like, you know, in your phone contact list. Like that's not cool. Right. Just, you know, be cool, be fun, like be a person that people want to hang around with and also like do what you say you're going to do, you know, like be, have integrity. Um, and if somebody asks you, you ask people, how can I help you? What can I do? Is there something that I can activate on my end that can help you with this particular goal? And if they ask you to do something, then do it, do it to the best of your ability. Don't ask for a favor in return. Right. But then know that if you need to call somebody at some point down the road, you know, this is somebody with whom you've established goodwill, Yeah. right? Not like you have a, they owe you a favor, but you have goodwill, yeah. right? And if you have, and if you put that kind of energy out there into the universe, if you put like positive, um, you know, goodwill out into the universe, it will come back to you. You know, yeah. the universe really likes when you, when you, um, you know, when you act in a way that's generous and, um, you know, and, um, positively impactful. I, I really believe that that kind of energy just comes back to you manifold. So, um, I would just focus on that. Yeah. I love that. Right. How can you help other people and provide and spread goodwill? Well, Amy Bois Barnett, thank you so much for all of your energy and your goodwill. Um, it was great, uh, great talking to you. I really appreciate, um, you having me on. This was a really great conversation. So great. Um, And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Amy Bois Barnett, senior advisor for the newly formed growth capital firm Bravo Mundo. You know, Amy had so many great tips. I'm still trying to soak them all in. But what really stood out for me is the fact that you cannot be on autopilot or cruise control in your career. You know, we always ask that question, who owns your career? And you know the answer, it's obvious, it's you. But we really have to think about that, right? Owning your career means having both hands on the steering wheel and driving along the road because you never know what bends and turns are coming. But more importantly, you never know where those forks in the road are. Now, if you're just on autopilot or cruise control, you're just going to coast on through and you may not even see that there's opportunities and options for you. I just can't help but think if Amy had not hit the pause button, taken herself out of cruise control and gone up and introduced herself to that media bigwig, she probably wouldn't be where she is today. It's all about consciously competent choices. Remember, your career is a series of opportunities, trade-offs, and choices, but make sure that you're actually making those choices and not being driven on autopilot. 
Well, that's our show for this week. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll deliver a brand new show every single Tuesday. And just because it is the final week of Black History Month doesn't mean that we should stop amplifying Black voices. And that's why you can go at any time to leadwithyourbrand.com slash Black Voices to hear all of our episodes featuring amazing examples executives, leaders, and influencers who identify as Black or African American. Now, if you have questions or you want me to cover something on the show, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and you can message me on LinkedIn to end up in the show. Most importantly, just remember, in your career, never be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you're a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.